And on the third try, God said, let there be a podcast. We have been having so many issues and I'm assuming Rian can hear me because he's smiling. Um, but I think we're finally getting the podcast running now because the last like 20 minutes we've been trying to get it up and running. But apparently Rian can hear me and at some point I couldn't hear Rian, but it was a whole thing. But whatever. We're here. The overlap is back. Um, yeah, this is this is a transparency transparency that you don't get from every other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they won't tell you what they're doing wrong. They'll only tell you what they're doing right. In our case, we'll t- we'll give you both because we're transparent. But Rion, we're back as football is back. Um, but I mean, it still seems like the world's gone crazy. But how you been since the last time we spoke? I mean, which was like most days this week. But still, yeah, no, no, we we, were, we have been texting. We have been texting for sure, but. Um, no, I've been all right. It was the first weekend back for, for first real weekend back for England and Italy. And it was just nice to get back to some normalcy and watching, uh, soccer games and all day and, and, uh, <laughs> feel like a couch potato for, from like 9am to like, well, I guess now a lot of the games are just later now. Actually. It's basically it's a little day. later. Yeah. Yeah. It is a little, it's a little later now, but but no, uh, outside of that, this New York here is the weather's becoming great. Um, we're cross, crossing fingers, still doing well with testing, um, and for the most part, people are are doing well with with um, keeping their masks on and stuff when they're walking around. Obviously, here and there, for sure, like on. <laughs> Thursday and Friday nights and stuff. Like I've seen some like the outdoors parts of bars and stuff um, be a bit crowded and concerning for sure. But this week we, we just started like phase two, so a lot more of all the restaurants now are not all, but all the ones who are able to restart again, like they're putting a lot of work into like outdoor seating and stuff. So that's nice to see. Just. Just generally, I think I think that that'll be a somewhat cool thing is to have to be for the most part this summer to eating outside, <laughs> just having a life. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I probably don't really want to be in a rest- inside a restaurant for, <laughs> for a while anyway. So, I'll, so yeah. I'll be probably eating outside until it's until it's too cold, pretty much. So, yeah, fair. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. things, things are are looking up, especially in the Northeast. Um, and in New York. So hopefully I'll be back soon and sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, moving, moving apartments at the end of July. So I have that to look forward to, but um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally, I'm basically moving like nowhere. It's, it's basically the next building over, but um, it's, it's just more space. That's what we needed. Like, can you, like, you remember when we were record, like sitting in my current apartment, we, Rihanna and I would basically record like sitting, touching each other <laughs> at like a table that was <laughs> oh, yeah, the yeah. size yeah. The size of my yeah, arm. Consensually, by the way, consensually <laughs> yes. and not sexually. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you for specifying for all yeah. the listeners. Of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. but that I mean, we were basically in a in a narrow space. Um, if that clears the image a little better in your heads, um, but yeah, so we'll have a little more space for Rihanna and I to record, which will be great, but. Yeah, that's that's where things are at basically, and and work is honestly not as busy as I expected it to be this week. But I know that after the fourth, like things will a pick up and b 
people I think will start to take like summer vacations, like with their kids and stuff, even if they can't travel. So like, it'll be like an up and down throughout the rest of the summer. So I can't wait to take more PTO days that may or may not exist. by like, yeah, there's like ghosts, like ghost PTO. It's funny. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> ghost PTO. That's so true. Anyway. Um, but yeah, one of the bright spots has been the football that's been back, honestly. And, We'll start off, I guess, in the Premier League. Yeah, like you said, you, you're a couch potato now. Um, I said that like you weren't before on Saturdays and Sundays. But Oh, um, yeah, true. <laughs> what, is, yeah, what have been kind of the, the things that you've seen picked up along the way since, um, since the Premier League's been back? Oh, I mean, it was some of the, I think, fun stuff that we saw from, I mean, obviously, what we saw, um, especially the first week, you know, it, Power. I know. I know that it's, it is performative in a way, but the image itself to see in all of the games um, during the first weekend back, the players taking knees um, at the at the whistle. Um, I have to throw a little comedy in there because in Liverpool's first game back against Everton, uh, Sadio Mane kind of forgot that they were doing the uh, kneel and, uh, and and immediately started running down the wing and then, ran, and then realized and then ran back. That was like that was really funny. Um, and and I think I read on Twitter today that Nathan Redmond on on Southampton did something pretty similar to today. So, but, but um, but obviously it's it's great to see that particularly and um, all the players during the first games back had Black Lives Matter um, re- replacing their usual names that are on the back. Um, you know, again, perform uh, as cynic will say it's performative, but. Um, you know, the, you think about the Premier League; it's the most watched league in the world. Like, it's it's if it's pretty good to to uh, I mean, make that message very public from them, and and it's it's is impactful to have that shown around the world. It's not just in England, right? We have to remember that. So, um, I mean, that was great to see. Um, but outside of that, I. Really only picked up on this, I think, in the Aston Villa game. I don't know if only in the Aston Villa and uh, Chelsea game. Um, players, it seems like when you score a goal, some, some of the players have, like, songs that are play, Like, certain songs play. Um, like, in the Aston Villa game, the, uh, I think House scored. And <laughs> a song that played it was, was not the usual, what usually comes on after Aston Villa um, scores. And so I was like kind of confused and I, <laughs> yeah, it could be nothing, but, but it was, but that was something that was interesting. Um, and obviously we have to talk about speaking with Aston Villa first game back, not even 45 minutes in. And um, apparently we are not quite sure what a goal is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this, this was interesting right like we'll, oh, we'll we'll get to var stuff don't worry when we get to la liga but when it comes to goal line technology i feel like that's been like pretty straightforward like it is very clear what is and is not a goal right now and i thought out of the quote unquote 9000 plus circumstances where you've seen goal line technology come into play or used or looked at something etc this was the one time that the goals obstruction of holding the ball actually made it difficult for goal line technology to determine whether or not the ball was over the line. Even there was space between not just the ball and the line, (laughs) the goalie's hand and the line. 
which would make you think that it would pick up on this, but okay. amazing. That was amazing. I was listening to um, the uh, totally football show. Uh, it's, it's a pot, a podcast where they, one of the, one of the writers was saying, was saying um, yeah, it, it's almost like, um, I think if you, maybe, maybe if you push, if you push the ball against the net so hard, maybe you can find the sweet spot that it doesn't, it doesn't show up. And I was crying. It's like he just, he just, the goalkeeper just pushed the ball so hard against the post that Hawkeye just couldn't make it. Oh my God. No, it was amazing. I mean, 45 minutes back into the first Premier League game, and we're like, ah, yes, this feels just about right. <laughs> the best part right. is that it wasn't Mike Dean. That was actually officiating this game. So you know that it's actually just England's referees and England's system at its finest, really. Yeah. Yeah. It was um just just a great a great um just splash of water right back into your face of oh yeah, this is gonna be the same. Um obviously we followed that up with Dava Louise just just Actually, just being very normal. Uh, nothing changed. It's, he actually seemed mid-season form, really, in, in his first game back. I think the, um, clinical, but the clinical term is back on his bullshit. I think this was his most entertaining performance I've ever seen. He came in 20 minutes after, <laughs> after an injury. Came in 20 minutes. Um, immediately looked, like again, mid-season form. Um, a ball gets played into him. He... You know, wings it as he usually does on uh, when he's defending, just winging everything that he just winging it, just improvising, just freestyling, <laughs> freestyle defender basically. Um, and, and you know, plays it right into Sterling who scores. Um, but Dava Louise saw that and he was like, Oh, y'all want an encore? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, <laughs> So he, he, he uh, you know, ends up getting a red card penalty. Riyad Mahrez and um, and then immediately out the next three games. And how else should we reward a performance that entertaining than Arsenal signing him to a one-year contract extension um, for next season? I mean, again, the entertainment value is too good. Um, like, I, I think I tweeted this, you know, at that point in the game, we were three, we were about to be three first halves into the restart that NBC has put it on, you know, pretty uh, important broadcast channels. They put that game on the NBC game. Dava Louise, a company man, knows this game is being shown in so many countries. We can't have three first halves without any goals. And he came in and, and hats off to him. He deserves that one-year extension. I really can't see how that goes <laughs> oh wrong God. again. I can't see how. I can't see how it goes wrong. But so uh, I, th- I thought. I mean, like before. The, okay, so we, we are going to get into Arsenal. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get into Arsenal <laughs> too much right now. But. Well, no. I was going to say before the podcast, you were telling me you don't want to waste too much energy on Arsenal anymore because you're just done. I had, I had to. One of my observations from the week was just uh, Dab Louise in general. Just remembering how. Ah, yes. He's above he is the, the Arsenal Institute. He is the Jameis Winston of soccer. For anyone who's an NFL fan, we love Jameis Winston because he threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in one season. That's never been done before. <laughs> he was the most entertaining football player outside of Patrick Mahomes last season. Um, you know, I like to see touchdowns. I don't necessarily need the touchdowns to be from the offense. So, like, that's why I like <laughs> Jameis Winston. <laughs> And, and Dava Louise, I like defending. 
I like defenders. I like goals mostly. I don't need the goals to be necessarily because of um, the attacker was brilliant. Dap Louise is brilliant as an entertainer. And that's all. That's my last observation from Louis. Um, I, actually, at least if you have one more. Oh, I have no more observations. No, no more. When it comes to <laughs> Please. Yeah. I'm done. Uh, no, nothing at all. So, but, but we also, we, we should acknowledge, I think, um, what we saw in the, in the Burnley game this on Monday, yes. um, the white lives matter, white lives matter banner that was attached to a, hel- to a uh, plane flew across the, um, the stadium in Burnley's game on Monday. And, um, you know, hats off to Burnley's captain, Ben me, who immediately like, alerted the referee pointed up and, and, um, let him know that, you know, that, 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 banner was flying right um and after the game he said in an interview that he was ashamed and embarrassed at what he saw and and you know i think um robbie earl his uh if people have not gotten a chance to see what his what um he and not just him but also rebecca lowe and um and Kyle, uh, I forget his name right now, but but the um, normal like booth or studio crew for for NBC, like they talked about it. There's a five minute clip um, where they all get emotional. They're all crying and talking about it because um, Robbie Earl goes in, you know, talks about the having to. Like, he goes into having to deal with the um, two sided thing as a as like a professional um black man in in a professional area where you have to deal you have to be a professional but and then on the other side um you know what he talks about in terms of just the daily social interactions that um that i'm sure elias has felt has uh, had to deal with before i myself have dealt with before and many many other black uh, men in america have dealt with before um the clip was really powerful and um you know it, it's it's uh we've talked we 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 talked about it I, I think we put a lot a lot talked about it a lot um so I don't want to get too much into it right now but um it was it was nice to see the one of the points that Robbie all made um was that he talked about how he did not come on to the to the set um after that even after the producers they called they were like do you want to come in and talk about it and he said no and this is when he started choking up and, cry, and starting to cry is when he said he wanted it's best for people to see um, the normal crew, the white, whatever studio crew they have in there talk about this. And, 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 um, and in the same vein, he was had the same reason why he was really happy to see what Ben me on Burnley said too, as well. Cause he thought it was important to see that, um, for people who are watching it to see that people who are not black or or saying how ashamed and embarrassed they were of it. So, um, you know, nice to, sorry to kill, to kill the mood a little bit, but (laughs) obviously going from Dava Louise's clownery to a a much more, um, harmful, uh, clownery. Uh, But, uh, that, no, that was, I, I think that was like a really powerful moment again and just kind of, keeps showing what this what it's about and what's the reason why people are so angry and the reason why people are fighting so hard to 
I don't know, just get some sort of fucking equality and normalcy in what a concept. Yeah. Um, but but that but that I think was was the most one of the most powerful things from the first week um, back in back in England, and it was, and I think that that was a great thing to see um, the reaction to it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, there was um, there was an article that Kevin Prince Boateng wrote in the Players Tribune as well, and the one thing that I mean, he's publicly. the players that are in or the white players that are in whatever Italy, Europe, et cetera, step up and actually say something. And that's the only way that something like this is, is actually going to be solved. So um, it, it was, it was disheartening to see about, you know, Burnley fans and supporters, et cetera. Um, albeit potentially a small group, but I don't really care quite frankly, if it was a small group or not. Yeah. Um it was it was just saddening to see that people still will go out of their way to not understand what's going on um, and to harbor such, you know, such hate and such. I, I don't know what's going on in people's heads when, when they think about that. So anyway, but on a completely different note, um, we have gone... Yeah. No, so, so no, it's so we're in the Champions League race now. We've we've gotten. I think we're realizing that it's only like a few teams that are actually like, just from the first week back. We're, we're seeing that, like, for the most part, I think the big thing that we saw from from the first week back too is that the teams who are generally more talented and have a bigger squad are finding ways to win games, even though it might not always be pretty, but the talent is kind of showing through early on. And I think, you know, we've seen that in a sense with Sheffield, you know, even, even though they were denied a goal in the first game, very wrongfully, obviously they did not play well in that game. And Aston Villa had chances to, to put a goal in that game too so I think that actually that tie was pretty fair and then you go to see how they've played especially this past um, Tuesday against against Manchester United and or sorry yesterday not Tuesday yesterday against Manchester United um, they looked they have looked like a team at least since we've come back they look like a team that was just promoted from the championship and and that's not to say that what they've done what they did early in the season was just not valid or anything like that. Right. But um, just more, just, you know, we've seen them fall off a little bit. I, I, I know there's still seven games left and they're only 
what, five points behind Manchester United in fifth place, which which um, we're still waiting to see if that will end up being a Champions League place or not. I think we'll find out in the next few weeks. Um, but they but they've they've regressed to the mean, like I said, and and you know for the rest of the teams in seventh through ninth. <laughs> and the the, the other the, like i said the uh the north london teams looked like we remembered them um one of the one of them has looked worse almost worse than i remember them and i thought they looked really bad even beforehand but for now tottenham look normal they've looked a little normal in their last game they've got they've gotten everyone back um I think we saw Jose Mourinho come out because people were talking about how his strikers haven't done that well or his strikers don't really get better under him. And he came out and, and uh, tried to defend it. And the goals numbers that he was saying were just actually kind of wrong, completely, <laughs> like just not in fact. Yes. <laughs> but, 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 um, and that was just like funny to see because I actually totally do not agree with him because if you really do just look at it, Drogba's best seasons were actually without Mourinho. Um, not to say that he wasn't good with Mourinho, but his actual best goal scoring seasons were just not when Mourinho was the coach. Um, right. and, and, you know, and on all the other teams, I, I think the only thing there where I think the criticism of what Harry Kane could do under him is maybe validated is because Harry Kane is not very quick. And if you're going to play counterattacking, uh, if you're going to focus so much on counterattacking and him pressing <laughs> yeah. and him like coming back and defending and stuff. And like, son might be your best bet. Right. Like, I think I like against good teams. I just wouldn't be surprised if Mourinho's going to play like son as a, as a number nine and not start Kane or something. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to not start him, but playing behind, son or something i don't know there's that's not my job <laughs> my job is yeah <laughs> right right but but anyway um like i said those teams have looked very similar similar to how we remember them and i really think that it's really i think it's just going to be between chelsea united and wolves of who gets those fourth and fifth places i again tottenham's only four points behind wolves and six but wolves have looked good like uh, adama Traore, he came off the bench and immediately yeah, changed the game um, over the weekend. And then he provided an assist to Raul Jimenez again, which was, I believe, the seventh assist he's given to Raul Jimenez this season specifically. That's ridiculous. I mean, um, yeah, we, we, we've talked about how much of a player he's grown, uh, Domitore and, and Jimenez, but Traore especially. We've talked about how much he's grown as a player. The yeah, last talk about Raul Jimenez more. Come on. No, no, I don't need to. No, no, no. I don't need to say <laughs> anything else. He's, he's, like, we, we know how good he is. Um, but it was like that, that team is real. That team is real. Like uh, we'll see, I guess, with the rotations and stuff. And that'll be a lot on, on Nuno and how he just manages the team. But I have faith in him as a coach. And I, ha- I just have faith in him. And I have faith in those players and the way they play um I had faith in Sheffield too to be fair but I think that this is just a t- much more talented team than Sheffield like I think I said last week before um when we were doing kind of the refresher I didn't I don't think Sheffield will be able to score enough goals and that's not a problem that I think Wolves will have so I think they'll be I think they'll be a real challenger to United who we must admit look dare I say they look good they look good. good. You can say it. You can <laughs> like, say it. They did look good. Um, 
in in against Sheffield United. I, I told you and uh, texted you and Peter say I'm gonna hold my tongue before the game. I before the <laughs> Sheffield game, I said I'm holding my tongue. I've been led to believe that that Bruno and Pogba are the reincarnation of Burkamp and Vieira, <laughs> and quite honestly, they didn't look that they were not them, but they but you know not half bad for in that game. Um, I think Fernandez looked great. Uh, I think Pogba looked way more free in his role, especially. Um, I, I think. I mean, obviously, Mar- and obviously, you have to give credit to Martial who scored his first hat trick, um, the first United hat trick, I believe, in seven years, which is <laughs> just a wild thing to think. Since Robin like, Van Persie, yeah, like unbelievable. Like you could, like, I, like I, you, I wouldn't have been surprised by you telling me that, but it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just like United, like we know that just seems so weird to think about, but um, they look good, man. I have to, like, you have to admit it, they look good. I'm not sure that a pivot of uh, Pogba and Nemanja Matic, who already at his best was not very athletic and um, able to like kind of fall around, like kind of um, be able to fall around at the other athletic and quick midfielders. I, I'm not sure how well that will work in a, in a, um, in a game against team whose midfield actually poses a threat attacking wise, which Sheffield, their midfield does not. He just doesn't. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I really forgot he and Matic like played for Manchester United. Cause I just, I'm struggling to keep up with their roster at this point. Cause it's, there's always a, an influx of youth and then they go away. And then I see 30 plus year olds take the field. And I'm like, with, I, I just, whatever. I don't know which United they're trying oh, to no, no. Yeah. Well, no, no, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think, uh, I, I thought Pogba looked great. I thought Pogba looked great. Um, I, I, and Bruno, like I said, Fernandez is a good player. He's good. Like he's good. Like you don't put up the to be fair. That that's did. like the first Portugal. player that like, hasn't been overhyped at least so far for, for United. That yeah. United, for, for United, that United. Yeah. Bought. Yeah. 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 I totally. Who, yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, and then, and obviously, having Rashford back is great for them. And Martial, let's great hat trick. We've seen Martial have good games though. Like we've seen him score really good goals too. So like, it's not like the, it's like not the first good goals we've seen him play before. It's the consistency, and and that's where the question marks are with him. But hey, man, at least for one game, like the attacking looked good. Um, they look like they might be able to just have a better time be better at um, scoring goals against teams who are not on paper as good as them. I, I think the lineup that they put out again against a team that will actually pose a threat um, attacking wise from their midfield and their strikers. Like we should remember too, that one of Sheffield's strikers that they started in that game hadn't scored in any of his 22 per, per um, appearances in the premier league this year. So like, uh, Again, let's take this game with a grain of salt defensively, but pretty good first steps. Like they, they actually looked again competent attacking wise. They looked good attacking wise. So we're like some way somehow this is going to come back to bite us. But yes, I I 100% agree with you. I think Pogba and Fernandez that midfield look great. I'm not here to say that United are going to stay in fifth, but but. They might, because <laughs> previously I—I I mean, I chose at the beginning of the year Wolves to finish fifth, right? And United to drop out of the top six, I believe, which I don't think they'll do at this point. But 
I do still believe that Wolves have a fighting chance over them. Like if I had to pick a team that would slip up over the course of the next three to four weeks, probably going to choose Manchester United just, you know, off of history alone. Um, But again, Wolves aren't exactly the most consistent team either. So yeah. And and the belief, the belief, look, the anything, anything that ends in a success for this season for Manchester United is entirely, entirely dependent on Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandez because we saw what the team looks like with just Rashford, who we, who we think is yes. a good player. We saw what it looks like when it's just him and he broke his back. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> That's yeah. what happened. <laughs> I, I honestly thought you were going to say Manchester City's ruling versus um, that midfield. I thought <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what you were yeah. going to go for. Yeah. And, and no, no. I mean, obviously that would be, yes. Yeah. But I'm, but in terms of looking like a team that, that we have some hope for going into next season, it, it entirely depends on, I think those two. Um, and I think the reason also why I, I completely forgot about that too, is because I think, Hey, we first off, Congrats to Liverpool. I can't, I can't believe we've gone so far in this talk. I was saying it. Congrats to Liverpool, obviously. Congrats. Like, we, well, we knew this was coming anyway, but congrats to them. And uh, it was really kind of cool to see, uh, I think, the post-game stuff today, seeing the players, and then also seeing um, the post-game, the uh, interviews with Klopp and Jordan Henderson, who were both, who were both like, crying, <laughs> like, in t- like. T- cheered up during the interviews and stuff and and Klopp looked like he was he had cried before coming on to the interview and Jordan Henson was crying at, at the end um so congrats to Liverpool obviously but uh the reason why I was gonna say that I wasn't I didn't even think about the city thing for in terms of Man City, Manchester United's success because I think you know with that win today from Chelsea against Manchester City which gave Liverpool the title um another time the title's been decided um by Chelsea by a Chelsea like win <laughs> or oh result by a Chelsea result. It's just, I think it's like the third time in the last five years, if you're including Chelsea's actual title win by themselves. Um, and how many times has it influenced the Liverpool result? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Too many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too, yeah. A sketchy yeah. amount of times actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's true. Um, but no, I, I, I think um, Chelsea looked good in their first two games. I, I, they, they got a little lucky today, obviously, with uh, Sterling hits the post early in the second half. Um, they easily could have been 1-0 down um, any time in the first, I think, 20 minutes of that game. But, but um, found a way through, through the man himself, Pulisic. Just, just uh, two goals in his first two games back from the restart. Scored, scoring the... Pull out. Pull out. Uh, of Pull course out. not. Of course not. <laughs> Why would I? <laughs> Um, but no, no, great stuff. Great stuff. Um, there. And I think, you know, that, that was, I mean, that was a game they couldn't have, ex- no one was expecting them to get more than at best a point in that game. So that's a huge three points for the, in terms of, um, you know, another step closer to clinching a Champions League spot. And now they're only one point behind Leicester who have looked extremely average in their first couple games backs. Uh, so they have a chance to even hop into third. So, uh, I, I think, Again, like I said, I think it's I think it's Chelsea United and Wolves really for that fourth fourth fifth spots. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's what it's going to come down to, and, and those are I think those are three most out of that group that we talked about last week. Those are three most talented teams, and I think it's going to be any combination of those three um, in fourth, fifth, and sixth. Yeah, and you would have to 
honestly probably not because they're currently in fourth, but favor Chelsea in that because I think they're probably the team that's still most on form. And honestly, like, thank you. I mean, I watched a city game today, but the city Chelsea game for those that are watching in the future, but um, like just, they were a good team. Like Tim Werner, Timo, Tim, Timo Werner, excuse me, aside, like they're a really good team. And so they're only going to get better. And they genuinely felt like they had control over the game against city with the exception of the ball hitting the post via Raheem Sterling, boo-boo. Um, other than that, like they were competing with city. So my early way too early pick to win the Premier League next season is Chelsea still. Not still, it is Chelsea. Still wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm not gonna go that far yet. Um let's 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 see where we are in three weeks if 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 they find I don't know about three weeks, but before the next before next season, let's see where we are if they are able to find a way to get Kai Havers with this team. Then 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 come back to me. I might be a little <laughs> drunk. I might be a little drunk and be ready to say some reckless things, of course. But, I mean, either um, way, you still need a new center back pairing. So just yeah, take care of that before you right, get Roberts. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. But uh, but, <laughs> but um, like I said, speaking, speaking of hopes and teams that have them and, and it, we're wondering if another team should um, – Let's just spend uh, before we get to La Liga. Let's spend just a, a couple of minutes on on Arsenal. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to go on mute while you do this. <laughs> no, no, well, you're going to have to talk at some point. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know anymore, man. It's I am genuinely afraid for Mikel Arteta more than I am for like anyone else in that organization because I am afraid that he will not get the time for us to figure out whether he's a good manager or not. I, I honestly am afraid of that more than anything else. Um, and a lot of that is within what the current makeup is of the Arsenal team. Um, what the prospects are of being able to make the real necessary moves in this transfer window before next season to be able to take that actual transition step of where now we have like four or five players who, who we can kind of build upon right now. Can we think of any player? I, I, w- I think the only player I could outside of Leno, who, who has probably been their best player all season. Like when you consider the saves that he made against city, the, I mean, the amount of shots he's had to face all season being consistently facing like almost 20 shots a game, um, especially when Unai Emery was there, he's their best player all season. I like, you can say Aubameyang, but Leno actually just kept goals out of the net. Like, so, um, no, I, I just, it's just, I don't know who are the building blocks. I, I think Bukayo Saka is a great, is, is one that could, that I think, it's probably their best out of the, any of those players, any of those um, like academy players, gra- academy graduates that, that they've played this season. I think he's the, the one with the most promise, and he has one year left on his contract. So we don't even know, like he could be gone after next season. He could whatever, anything could happen there. But that's where I'm like the hope and my fear for Mikel Arteta, the recruitment of what we've seen from the team, like all jokes aside, the Dava Luis thing is a, is a disaster. 
that's an absolute disaster that you came into this season and that was your best that was on paper going into this season your most talented defender that yep we that was on paper your most talented defender like before we even saw <laughs> the play and anyone who is a Chelsea fan, who even is a PSG fan, anyone who is Brazilian <laughs> would, have told, would, have told, would have saw that and laughed. Like, but the recruitment policy, the recruitment has been poor. You can't, I don't, I know that we give players a season, like we try to give players a season to transition into it. But honestly, honestly, outside of, what was it? The game that he scored, that, that Pepe scored two f- free kicks against Europa League team, who they should have been beating anyway. And <laughs> yes. this past this past week, he scored a great goal. That's awesome. But outside of that, I mean, that, it's not a bust yet, but that's 70 million pounds that they did not pay up front, by the way, that is... Part of the reason why they're going to have an extremely hard time pay, getting players this season, <laughs> like because they didn't right. pay that all You're up right. front, they're doing it in payments. So that player puts a little pressure. You kind of need him to be doing more than scoring one nice goal every twelve games. <laughs> like you kind of need a bit more than that from when you bring a player in like that. And I know you transition managers, but he already doesn't feel comfortable playing him against. In, in like one of the biggest games of the season against Manchester City, he's starting. He goes out and starts four players who are not even like twenty one yet, like over over Pepe, and like like do we even need to get into the Ozil part of it? Like everything about this club right now, outside of the manager, is objectively a failure, and it's really yes. that simple. It's simple. We have no clue if Mikel Arteta is a failure or not. And and even, and it's a possibility that after his spell here, we might still not know because it is such a failure at every other part of the club. So, I mean, we knew it was at the owner level. Um, What we've seen so far from from this new sporting director has come in has been an absolute failure. Like, I, I can't think of literally one thing that has happened from the last year. Martinelli. Martinelli would actually, Martinelli is the only bright spot (laughs) of what not because of the board, but not necessarily because of the board. Uh, Granted, he was brought in by Sanyehi in, um, in that same summer, but it's, it's when you get a player, when you're getting players at that age, it's, kind of a crapshoot in a sense, because you don't know how players develop from 18 to 20 or whatever. You're hoping that your infrastructure will be good enough. Um, and so everything else at the actual like level of trying to make this team better than they were last season or two years ago has been a failure. And the club is stagnant. And we're in real, they're in real danger. I believe they're in real danger of becoming England's AC Milan. AC Milan will be referenced at various points throughout this podcast for uh, multiple different reasons. But this is certainly one of the biggest ones. Um, Yes, I 100% agree that Arsenal are in danger of becoming that. Especially because if you look at their core, right? 
if you look at their, and I'm not talking about their youngsters that are coming up because I don't consider them their core. Their core is Aubameyang, Ozil, Lacazette, kind of, I, I guess. Um, Pepe, who hasn't really turned up yet. Um, and I guess Ceballos, if, like, not really. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't low. even, and I, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Gen- I think you throw Leno. Good, I think Leno, Leno you have to throw into a core. That, yeah, Leno and uh, maybe Genduzzi. Um Genduzzi, yeah. I don't know. I mean, well, first off, out of those players, a good chunk of them are on the older side, and then a good chunk are on the younger side. That's we have no clue if Obama, if, if Pierre McCobang is on this team next year. He's not. Are you? He's, he's, he's definitely not. And he's thirty-one. Like so. No, he's also not going to be on this team, hundred percent. But what's even more worrying is that you don't have an idea of who's going to fill that gap. Like you can't just throw players in there and just be optimistic. Like that's not how football training works that's just you know what i mean like that's how you how you develop a young player is based on i would say like three major things right it's about playing time it's about coaching development and it's about like having essentially like a a reference for where you want to be right like i'm thinking like a messy ronaldinho type comparison and you basically have one of those which is playing time and it's not because of like it's not because that like I don't know I'm trying I'm trying to find the words for it but it's not because you are not good enough but you're earning your spots because you're being thrown in that's my point right no yeah no you're right he's being thrown in they're being they, these players are being thrown in you're, you're completely right. right um it's it's not out of it's not out of um oh my gosh Joe Willick is so good we need to get him play time like right it's 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 because. <laughs> Your highest paid player apparently is just not going to play again for your club um, and is, and can't make the expanded substitutes, like expanded substitutes, right? Like we can't even, he can't even make, there are now nine players that can be on your bench and he's not making it. Like it's, it's, a, it's, I just don't know. I want, I like, we talked about this before that, before we started the pod, that Arsenal fans, out of all like out of all fans that we know, they are the most hopeful, and God bless them because and truly, Jay truly. is the most Jay is the most confident fan. I, I don't even know if it's quite confidence; it's more like cockiness, it's not <laughs> cockiness, but but just hope. It's just it's I guess cocky <laughs> hope in a sense. Like like I don't know cocky hope. Like, yes, that the yeah. new episode for the name of this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's just it's um they, they want to be hopeful so much and and it's a travesty that a team that with this much history that that, that a team this big in world football like arguably the most followed team in the United in the U.S. Um, when you're talking about Premier League teams at least um, arguably the most the one that has like the largest fan base it's a travesty that. At the same time that their owner is American, <laughs> like that's also a hilarious thing too. But but at the same time, their owner is American and is not putting the effort that is necessary for a club this big, not putting the effort that it deserves. Really, um, it's depressing, uh, and, and and 
now I think it's even more depressing because it feels like even with the changes that were made last summer, that, that the changes that were made at the board level, right? Even with that, right, it, seems, right. it, it seems like they still have people there who don't have a clue, who, who are just not up to the level that this club deserves to move forward. Not even just deserves, but needs to move forward, right? Yeah, I was going to say, not, not just deserves, like, like specifically is relying on at this point, like a lot would rely on that. But I, I 100% agree with you. I don't know where Arsenal goes at this point. I, I think a lot more is going to be answered. Excuse me. This sounds like a cliche, but after the summer, like after they're through all the weirdness of hopefully um, through with coronavirus and the, if, you know, it, yeah. if, if, but right. But like, I think once we kind of get back to a sense of normalcy, I genuinely think that we'll start to see how clear the lack of a sporting project at Arsenal will become because you're going to see Aubameyang leave. You're going to see Ozil leave. Then what are they going to be left with? That's all going to happen. In my opinion, I think in the next year. So do they plan for it this summer? Do they resign them on contracts? That's, I think the bigger question that needs to be answered. And I, and I, and think, I don't, and think I think that's will. why, and I think, and I think the most um, damning of 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 to of the reason why not very hopeful on on um on Arsenal is because they resigned Dava Luiz they 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 gave a four year contract to uh, Cedric Suarez the the right back they brought in from Southampton who they brought in initially on a loan <laughs> initially on loan um this was starting in January Elias guess how many minutes Cedric Suarez has played. For Arsenal um, since his move? Um, it's going to be under 90. I just don't know how much under 90. <laughs> I'm going to guess with 12. Well, you were correct with under 90. It is zero. Zero nice. minutes. And can you guess? <laughs> can you guess? Guess who? Um, the, how many years do you think they just signed him to a contract? Oh, I actually didn't know. Um, I don't know the answer to this. Four. You're correct. A four-year nice. contract. <laughs> um, Cedric Suarez came to Arsenal on loan, injured, found out that he was injured when they got him, and hasn't played a single minute. And during this past week, one of the players that they gave a contract extension, or I guess a contract offer to, was Cedric Suarez, who's not, uh, who's not played a minute. So... <laughs> The damning thing, what, what I was saying about that, is that those seem like giving him a four-year contract, um, extending Davalouis another year, those seem like moves of a team that does not think they'll be able to really address the problems fully this summer. And I think we have like reasons to believe the reasoning that it is, is financial, um, obviously with the COVID stuff, but also with the way that they structured these transfers that they've done in the last year, that ding, ding, they didn't do until Mr. Sinehi came into the team. I mean, granted, it's it's just unlucky, right? It's just unlucky that, that, that <laughs> COVID came around and that revenue that they're expecting to have for three months is not coming in and you have no chance at European competitions next season. And so that's a lot more stress on those payments that you're supposed to make. Right. And it restricts you heavily 
Um, it's almost like maybe you shouldn't do those if you're not quite sure you're even going to be in Europe the next season. But I guess I, that's why I'm not in a boardroom, right? But <laughs> I mean, but, that's why you should be in one, technically. <laughs> um, but now it's it's very hard to find to find the bright light, the light at the end of the tunnel. I think for if we're just talking about the next twelve months for Arsenal Football Club, um, it's very hard right. to find the light at the end of the tunnel because you just don't see this team getting on paper any better next season. And um, and for for our listeners who may not be too familiar with the comparison we were saying with, with the why they might they could easily become the AC Milan of England, is that you have a team who, who such a great history. Granted, AC Milan have actually won Champions League title, so that was uncalled for. Yeah, that was uncalled for. I apologize. <laughs> but but well, let me tell you about 2012. <laughs> a team that a team that has such uh that that one of the biggest teams in the world, AC Milan, um players who won Ballon d'Ors and a team that won so many league titles in their own domestic country and stuff, re, like within last ten, ten last ten years, have become almost irrelevant in terms of uh, when you talk about the biggest clubs in the world. They've become almost irrelevant. They've become irrelevant to the um, Italian league um, in terms of being a team that could even remotely challenge Juventus. Granted, who, who has in the last eight years? But very few. But still, a team that's not in the Champions League every year anymore. That's the biggest thing. And that's and that's where Arsenal are heading. There's too much like competing for the Champions League. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Not even that. There's too much competition in in England right now. Everyone has money now. They're not the only team that's it's it's not 2002, 2003 where it's just Manchester United and Arsenal and Liverpool and then and then Chelsea came in um with Abramovich, but it's not just that those spots are not entitled anymore. So it they could very easily become this country's or England's country, England's version of AC Milan and be a team that four years from now think about, damn, what the fuck? Like what happened here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't want to turn it too much on the La Liga side. Cause we will talk La Liga later on. Um, not in this podcast, but on a later one, but um, that's kind of the same thing with Barcelona. Like that's, that's where they're headed basically like and it and it's really sad because for both teams because we've seen this before like you have a case study in front of you as to how like what not to do right just don't do this and you won't become ac milan you won't be you know what i mean like or even liverpool to a degree until like four for, or five yeah, years ago yeah for, for yeah for for a few years liverpool as well you're completely right a few years liverpool um it's just it's funny a coincidence too with ac milan their biggest stakeholders are also Americans, and also and and what are you trying I, to say? Ivan Ivan Gazidis, Ivan football's yeah. bad. <laughs> um, our, the track record is actually quite horrible. It is about it, it. Is. at a loom, <laughs> the Glazers, the Glazers at Manchester United, <laughs> Cronkies <laughs> at Arsenal. Um, I forget the name of the Americans that, that have the stake in in uh, Lisa Milan. Um. But then you saw Ivan Gazidis, who was a board member at Arsenal, not American, but uh, but he went over to AC Milan in the last two years. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I don't know. It's we said we we're only going to spend a couple of minutes. It was just hard not to like get into it because it 
feels grim for Arsenal right now. Um, and things can always change in football very quickly. We know that. Um, you know, anything could happen this summer that maybe they... We didn't see the Ozil um, transfer coming, what, uh, seven years ago? Oh, my God. I can't believe he's been in that team for seven years. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, I, I did I not think about that. It was tw- yeah, it was 2013. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. But um, I really reminisced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just didn't really think about that. But, but yeah, it's, it's, I think, concerning times for Arsenal. And um, I don't have... I don't have a great answer for how this gets better in the next 12 months, at least. So to, to end on a great positive note about Arsenal, <laughs> where, uh, where they're basically screwed. Um, do you have any other parting thoughts before we <laughs> wrap up on, I guess the Premier League side of what's going on in football? No, nothing else. Um, I think, uh, it was, it was nice to have, like we said, nice to have football back. Um, I think I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm shitty. Like I'm, um, I feel like I've shit on the Premier League a bit this year because I thought the quality hasn't been that great below the two best teams. But um, I do have to mention, I, I honestly feel like the first, however many games back, at least the first week, genuinely kind of seemed more out of shape than what we saw in the Bundesliga and um, Spain in the first weeks back. Just the games, I, it felt like there were a lot more, not a lot, but like at least a few more quite just poor, poor games, the first games back for, for England. But um, I don't I, uh, the, in the second and third games, they, they looked like they were getting back into it. But it was just that that's a, uh, a last observation, I think. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up with some final thoughts from the first league that actually brought us joy back from the pandemic, and that is the Bundesliga. So, Rian, the Bundesliga is wrapping up now as all the other leagues kind of start up. So, where? I mean, obviously we know Bayern have won, but where does that leave, I guess, the rest of the, the, rest of the league? Yeah, Bayern, um, Bayern officially clinched the league last, um, I believe, was it last Tuesday? Maybe even Tuesday before that. Sometime but, um, last week. Yeah, but they clinched their eighth straight title in in Germany, which will be yeah. That, that's <laughs> obviously not something that I think the Bundesliga loves, especially with them. Um, I don't know if many people know this, but their their coverage moving over to ESPN fully over to ESPN here in the United States um, next season. Uh, not not saying that. I mean, ESPN has Syria. Like, like I, they don't care. Like, they like I don't. ESPN doesn't care that it's that's Bayern winning every year, obviously. But, um, but that that all of those games are moving over to ESPN, and I'm and I'm sure that the Bundesliga itself would like some parity in their league. Um, especially when you see today Liverpool winning it, being the um, I believe the that was the fifth different team in the last eight years to um to win the title in in england and that's and you know that obviously has to help with the with um the allure of the premier league feeling like anyone can win every year and stuff so uh, um i'm sure it's not something that the bundesliga loves as a whole but outside of that i think we said it before that uh we didn't think dortmund was gonna be able to actually overtake bayern 
but and uh, obviously that loss that second or the second or third game back pretty much sealed it. But still, a good end to the season for them. So far this past weekend, they beat they beat Leipzig to pretty much secure second place. Uh, and we, and young uh, Gio Reyna picked up an assist this past weekend, which we have to admit was a very. I mean, I was watching that game live. It was a great. It was a great little touch that into Holland. It was. Um, in a spot that I think literally any other person, or maybe I'm just thinking about us, would have shot. <laughs> just like, there was no, there was no chance I would have ever laid that off for anyone. Like the spot that he was Fair. in, like, uh, it's uh, it was just very intelligent. Um, and you see, you've seen him grow uh, a little bit, and and who knows what will happen with Sancho? But if Sancho leaves, it, yeah, you know, with the trust that's already been given to Reina by. Favre, by Lucien Favre, uh, Dortmund's coach, and he's been confirmed he's going to be going back. He's going to be back at the um, um, coaching Dortmund again next season. If Sancho leaves, yeah, the really could be a breakout season for for Giorena next next year. Yeah. That's um, and that's just not not even that's U.S. U.S. soccer hat completely off. Like he's gonna he's gonna get um. A vast majority of the starts next season if Sancho leaves. Um, but anyway, they, they beat, like I said, they beat Leipzig this weekend. Leipzig have secured mathematically, they haven't secured top four, but they are uh, three points up on Leverkusen. Uh, and the, even if they lose their last game this weekend and if Leverkusen wins, the, the difference, the goal difference that Leipzig has at, at plus 43, Leverkusen has a plus 16. Um, I guess Leverkusen would pretty much have to find a way for um, the team they're playing this weekend uh, to, I guess, forget that there's a game going on. And and that's the only way they could really catch Leipzig and take them over. And Leipzig finds a way to drop out of top four. But um, a, a good season for Leipzig, too. Yeah, the first season with with Noggles and back, and um, recently I've seen Tyler Adams get some more starts with the team. The losing team of earners, so we'll obviously we'll be looking at that's going to be huge. Yeah, yeah. have <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? No. <laughs> Just, um, <laughs> keep filling the pipeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Havertz will go to uh, RB. Uh, New York Red Bulls, then to uh, <laughs> Red Bull Salzburg, and then to Leipzig for like twenty dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you change. That's how, yes, yes. Um, but uh, but uh, the only thing left, at least in, at the top half of the table, is the four, is fourth place, where Gladbach is two points ahead of Leverkusen after Leverkusen lost this weekend to uh, Hertha Berlin. Uh, Gladbach won and, and jumped ahead of them and in the driver's seat for fourth place. So. Um, Granted, uh, Gladbach are playing um, Hertha Berlin this weekend. So if they lose and Leverkusen win, then they hop into top four. The only reason that is still, I think, uh, an important game for people outside of Germany, and especially I think for anyone who's a fan of a team that who is interested in Kai Havertz, is that the general feeling is that right now his valuation is, I believe. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen values him around 90 million pounds. Um, and Yikes. that could quite easily change if they do, uh, if they don't make the champions league next season. I think a lot of that is dependent on like how, if they make the champions league. So if they do not win um, or are not able to jump ahead of Gladbach this weekend, 
that price for Havers could potentially go down to, and, um, and I think that would bring a lot more teams into play possibly. And it would, it would make it more likely that he leaves this summer too. I think they're quite resigned to him leaving either this year or next year, but, um, or next year, maybe I think he, this might be the last year of his contract too. So, but anyway, um, that, so that's a game to look out for if you're a fan of any team that is interested in Kai Havertz. <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> Which is most of Europe. Yeah, is Gladbach's game against uh, Hertha this weekend. And, um, and if Leverkusen are able to uh, pick up three points this weekend against Mainz. So good stuff here. Uh, good stuff still seeing by the uh, in, in Bundesliga, a lot of goals still. Uh, and... Just one last shout out to uh, my team for the last uh, month or yeah month, Schalke. <laughs> a farewell. You are a curse. You are a curse. I stayed, with them. I stayed with them. Um, they did not win a single. They haven't won a single game. A whole thing. Um, fingers crossed. I think. I think uh, this weekend they've got Freiburg, who uh, has found a way to jump above them in this time. Schalke have picked up one point since the restart, for those of you out there. They have not won their last 15 games. So... Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. A 15-game winless streak. It's just Ooh, almost impressive. Almost impressive. Um, with all that being said... Weston McKinney has been a bright spot. He's he's genuinely looked good. I think um, in the last since the first game, uh, they all looked horrible against Dortmund. But since the first game, he's genuinely been a highlight of watching these Schalke games. Um, so that's it for uh, the Bundesliga here. It looks like it's also possible that the other American um, Josh Sargent on Werder, unless just they're able to get some lucky results this weekend. It looks like they're about to go down um, into the second, into the second tier, the Bundesliga spy too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, but I said that, uh, a farewell to the 2019, 2020 season for, um, for the Bundesliga in Germany in general. And specifically for Schalke. For Schalke, oh god, yeah, they, they, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen a drop wow. off like that. Never but, seen yeah. it. Never seen it. A team that was sitting in sixth place when this started, had, they're down to eleventh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, you know, farewell again, and you know, applause to to Germany as a whole and and the Bundesliga because. When we needed you most, you were there. We needed we needed some some sort of sports, some sort of soccer, and you were there. And and thank you. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, I don't have too much to add because I think you wrapped it up beautifully. Other than, of course, you know the fact that Kai Havertz is not going to Chelsea. But anyway, that's a completely different podcast. That's a completely different podcast. We're not going to get into that. All right. If he does, mm, okay. Yeah. If he does, I'll, we'll come back I, to it. But he won't. If I, if I speak, <laughs> I'll be in big trouble. As a wise man once said. Anyway, with that, we're going to fully wrap up the podcast. And as always, like I said, thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week with some more football content from whatever leagues are playing now, which is pretty much all of them minus Germany by the time we come back to you guys next. So with that, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.